me and my number one man are going to open service today. Summit, tell them hi, would you? That's my boy. <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? I know it. 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 Man, it's good to see you guys today. Thank you so much for being in the house of the Lord. Um, we had an incredible first morning service already today uh, at 8.15. I was really concerned as, as services were beginning and we were getting started. Uh, there, there weren't just a whole lot of people in the room. Uh, but as it progressed, and it, it's kind of like normal service around here. You know, once the, the music starts, that's when everybody shows up. Uh, but we had 52 people in the early morning service today. Yes, and there were two people who accepted Jesus as Lord over their life this morning. That's really the important part, and so it was a great, great day, and uh, really excited. Thank you for being here this morning. We, we're so, so happy to see you. Uh, it's going to be a great day in God's house. Um, we just want to pray and just believe God for a, an incredible encounter with Him. I do need to remind you, we won't be having evening services tonight. We want you to spend time with your families today. Uh, go and enjoy the, the festivities of Easter and uh, enjoy your family. Uh, he's alive today, therefore we're alive today. And we want to we pray. Why don't you stand with me? I need the ushers to come this morning, please, gentlemen, if you'd come on. Prepare yourselves. We want to receive our Sunday morning tithe and offering. one in here somewhere thank the Lord <laughs> I knew there was one in there man you guys look great I wish it was this way every Sunday morning good to see you let's pray over this offering father thank you thank you for the opportunity to meet in your house together uh, Lord we just are, are so thankful for every home and family every life represented here today God we pray that you'd have your way in this meeting uh, Lord God, that you'd be the one to receive the glory, the praise, and the honor. God, we exalt you. God, you're so faithful and you're so good. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.
much y'all. It's a little bit warm. Father, we thank you this morning, God, for your promise of salvation, God, and your sacrifice of the cross. We thank you this morning, God, for taking all of our sin and our shame, Lord, and bury them in that grave that you came out of, God. Father, we just want to praise you and honor you this morning for who you are and for what you've done, God, and for also what you're going to do in this service, God. We pray, pray blessings over each and every family represented here this morning. In Jesus' holy name, amen. I would be hopeless without your goodness. I would be desperate without your love. Slave to the Chase me down when I 
was a rich I remember who I was I was lost I was blind I was running out of time and sin separated the breach was far too high but from the far side of the chasm you had me in your sight so you made a way across the great divide left behind heaven's throne to build it here inside and there at the cross you paid the debt I owe broke my chains freed my soul and for the first time I and thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus, it has washed me white. And thank you, Jesus, you have saved my life. You brought me out of darkness into glorious light and you took my place laid inside my tomb of sin you were buried for three days but then you walked right out again now death has no sting and life has no end For I have been transformed By the blood of the Lamb And thank you, Jesus, for the blood of Thank you, Jesus, you have washed me white And thank you, Jesus,
let's do that let's lift glory unto his name today father we praise you king jesus we thank you for the victory of the cross and the empty grave come on church lift your voices come on give him praise today come on surely he's worthy of praise thank you lord precious king redeemer savior healer friend who sticks closer than a brother almighty god king of kings Lord of Lords, hope and courage, strength and power, anointing and equipping, Lord, it's from you, precious God, healer of all, healer of the broken body, healer of the broken body, worthy of praise and glory and honor, precious Savior, precious King, precious Redeemer. Oh, how we love you. We believe that Jesus, before he ever faced that cross, took stripes on his body so that we might have healing in our own. There are those among us this morning who, who walked in the door with sickness. They walked in the door with just not feeling 100%. What I'd like to do this morning is to have a special prayer for them. Brother Charles Bynum, he has been going through a battle over the last several days. And I, I just asked some men to gather around him this morning and just lay hands on him and pray for him and just, just believe God to touch and to lift up. Maybe you're here today and you walked in the door and you'd say, Pastor, I just need, I just need some people who agree with me in prayer. I need some people who will touch heaven on my behalf that, that mean business. Come on, if that's you, would you lift your hand? People will gather around you and pray for you this morning as well. Amen. Gentlemen, if you'd go and gather around our brother Charles, I'd ask the church congregation just to join hands together and begin to pray for those nearby you today. Come on, let's lift up the name of Jesus and believe God to touch and intervene this morning. Father, right now, God, we stand before you. God, on the authority of your word, Lord, we believe that, that you sent your only begotten son, Jesus, to live and to die and to be raised again so that, so that we might have healing in our body. Lord, I call out the name of Brother Charles today. I ask you, God, to, to touch. I ask you, God, to minister healing. I ask you, God, to intervene on his behalf. Lord, the work is accomplished. You've already done what you 
what you were sent to do and we thank you for the stripes that you endured and and now Lord God we ask you that that work avail in his body Lord we pray for our, our sister Betty God we ask that you touch her that you'd heal her Lord we pray for Bud and for Betty today we ask you Lord God to intervene on their behalf Lord for every need God for every name whether it was spoken or unspoken God you know God you understand and God you're more than able You're more than capable, Lord God, to touch and to minister healing. God, I pray for every set of ears and every heart in this room today. God, that you would just lift them up, encourage them, and touch God and minister wholeness and healing into their body. We believe you, Lord. We trust you, God, and we know that with you anything is possible. We thank you and we praise you, God, for who you are and all that you do. Lord, we honor your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah and glory and praise. How many know He's the God of all healing today? Come on and give Him a hand clap of worship and praise. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Turn and greet someone this morning as you're seated. Just let them know how glad you are to see them in God's house today. Well, glory. Man, it's good to see y'all this morning. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord. I'm honored. I'm honored that you would come and, and give us your time this morning. I'm honored that you would come and allow me to minister the word to you today. Um, but as honored as I am, I'm going to go ahead and, and put it out there and I'm going to just ask you to, to do something for me today. Some of you, it may be the first time you've stepped in the door, and some of you, it may be the first time you've been here in a while. Uh, Either way, that's fine. Some of you may call this church home, your church home every week, and some of you have already heard me preach once this morning and came back for a a double dose. And so, boy, you talk about glutton for punishment. I mean, they put up with me twice. But but here's the thing that I know um, and, and completely understand. I've my, my wife and I, our family, we've been in full-time ministry for well over 20-plus years. And, and one of the things that I understand is this, is that when you get a, a room full of people mingled in with a, that, that don't go to church, mingled in with a room full of people who normally go to church, that, that sometimes the people who go to church are, are afraid to, 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 to cut loose and go ahead and have church because they're going to freak out the people who aren't normally here. And, and the people who don't normally attend here, they're, they're afraid to cut loose because they don't normally attend here. And so they're all shy and reserved. And, and what ends up happening is the preacher gets up to preach and it's like trying to pull teeth out of a chicken. It's just tough. And, and I got to tell you, the, the Lord has already blessed and anointed this word once today. Uh, he already showed up and showed off. It was a it was a great great service this morning, and and there wasn't a whole there was you know a third of the crowd that's here t- right now, and so uh, man, you guys ought to be able to blow them out of the water, right? And so I'm just going to ask you to just uh, go ahead and let God be God. Uh, don't worry about who's around you. Don't worry about. Uh, whether you normally attend here or not, or it's been a while since, it doesn't matter. We're family. We're here today. 
And if you're a visitor, people have already seen your car outside. They know you're here, and they know you went to that snake handling church, and so they get the snakes out, Bubba. I'm leaving with you, okay? We're, we'll go. We'll, we'll get out of here. We're going to let the Lord be the Lord, and we're going to follow Him today. And so I just ask you to jump in the middle of the Word and, and, and let it prevail in your life today. Why don't you join me one more time as we go to the Word today, and let's give God praise one more time. Right there where you're seated, lift your voices. Father, we bless you this morning. God, we thank you and we praise you. Lord, you're good to us. You're better than we deserve, Lord. We thank you that you're here. You're strong on behalf of your people. Lord God, leave nothing undone. Leave nothing out that you wish to do. And God, we want to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor, and the thanks for it all. We ask it all in the strong, amazing, anointed name of Jesus. We pray and we believe in Jesus' strong name. And all of God's people agreed this morning and said, Amen. Amen. Come on and give the Lord a hand clap today, please. Thank the Lord. How many understand today our God's not dead, but He is alive? Come on, that cross could not keep Him. The grave could not hold Him. He got up just like He said He was going to. He's alive, He's alive, He's alive. I stand before you this morning as an eyewitness. I stand before you as a man who has stood in the tomb where they laid my Savior. I've been there. I've been an eyewitness to the event and the occasion that happened. And I can stand before you and honestly tell you there are no bones that used to be Jesus. There is no dust that used to be Jesus. That tomb is empty. He ain't there. He got up just like he said he was going to. He's worthy of our praise, church. Come on, give him praise one more time. Hallelujah. I thank God today for the Word of God. I thank God today for the truth we find in the Word that teaches us and tells us that we believe in a resurrected Savior this morning. The, the Word of God is our hope, it's a lamp, it's a light, it's a road map for life and for living. And that Word that we base our faith on talks about and teaches us about a resurrected Savior. Aren't you glad today for a resurrected Savior? Amen. One of the things that I've shared with you, a thought and an idea that I've shared with you before is this, that as we read and study through the Word of God, what we discover is this, there are several themes or thoughts that run throughout the Word of God continuously. A theme or a thought is simply that. It's an idea that reoccurs or repeats itself again and again throughout the Scriptures. A theme or a thought is something that's found both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, and an idea that just carries out throughout the Word of God. For example, the thought of, of trust and dependency upon God, the theme of trust and dependency upon God, is an idea that repeats itself throughout the Word. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, the Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. Now jump forward to the New Testament and the book of 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 7. What you'll find is the word says cast all your cares on God because he cares about you. And so what you see there is there's a theme in the Old Testament that carries into the New Testament of trust and dependency on God. Now in like manner what you see is that the theme of repentance and salvation is, is found over and over and over again through the word of God. Jonah, as he entered into Nineveh, in Jonah chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, what you'll see is that Jonah cried out to the people of Nineveh to repent and turn to the Lord, remove their wicked ways from their life and, and trust in the Lord. 
And then when Jesus came and began His earthly ministry in, in the book of Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, what you'll see is that from the time Jesus began to preach is, He preached, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Over and over and over again through the Word of God, from the Old Testament through the New Testament, what you'll find is the theme of repentance and salvation turning to the Lord. Here's the one I've been ready to get to for about six weeks now. There's another theme that repeats itself through the Word of God over and over and over again. There's a theme, an idea, a thought in the Word of God that the Holy Spirit will not let me escape. He will not let me deviate from. He will not let me turn from. It continues to come up in my heart again and again. And it's the theme and the idea that He told me to talk to you about today. And that's simply this. It ain't over until God says it's over. It ain't over until God says it's over. It ain't over until God says it's over. The message of the cross, the message of the, the resurrection, the message of the empty tomb, the hope in the middle of the crisis, the hope in the middle of the dead-end situation, the hope in the middle of the dead-end life is simply this. It's not over, friend, until God says it's over. I don't know what you carried in the door with you this morning. I don't know what it is that looks hopeless to you. But I want you to understand and hear the truth of the Word of God. It's not over. It's not done. Don't ring the bell. Don't turn it off until God says it's over. Because it ain't over until God says it's over. That's what I want to talk to you about this morning from the Word of God. The, the title that the Holy Spirit brought before me is simply that. It ain't over until God says it's over. Find your Bibles, if you would, please. We're going to the book of Mark, chapter 10. Mark, chapter 10. Poke your neighbor and tell him, boy, it's good to see you. Glory. Mark, chapter 10. I'm going to begin reading in verse 32. The Word of the Lord says this. Now they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was going before them. They were amazed. They followed and they were afraid. And then He, Jesus, took the twelve aside and began to tell them the things that were to, to happen to Him. Jesus said, Behold, we're going to go up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests, to the scribes, and they'll condemn Him to death and deliver Him over to the Gentiles. They'll mock Him, they'll scorch Him, they'll spit upon Him, and they will kill Him. And Jesus said on the third day, He'll get up again. Jesus said, it ain't over until God says it's over. I want to pray with you today. Father, thank You today for Your Word. Thank You, Lord, just for the opportunity to minister it. Lord, I'm humbled today that You would allow me, Lord, that You'd allow me to be the messenger of Your Word. God, I'm asking You today to have Your way in every heart, every life, home, and family. Lord, I'm asking you for souls today. If there are people in this room or under the sound of my voice that are lost and undone, may the Holy Spirit even now begin to tap at their heart. Woo them and draw them, Lord, into relationship with you. God, let them understand they're not in a dead-end situation. It's not over until you say it's over. Lord, have your way and be glorified for it all. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people agreed and said, Amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord please one more hand clap today? I think He deserves it. You're going to hear this theme repeated from your pastor several times today, but I'm going to tell you one more time, it ain't over until God says it's over, friend. 
I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what the the hopeless dead-end situation that may stand before you may be today. But friend, it ain't over until God says it's over. I look at our nation, I look at the United States of America and uh, the silly things that are happening, how, how the world has turned upside down and, and how the things that at one time were considered to be wrong are now considered to be right. And the things that at one time were considered to be right are now considered to be wrong. And on the outside looking in at the United States of America, i got to be quite frank, the situation looks pretty hopeless most of the time. Uh, the economy continues to go south, things continue to grow worse, and the ignorance continues to increase on an ever-increasing uh, d- d- day. Every day, it gets worse and worse and worse. But, but here's the deal. This dream called the United States of America, this experiment called liberty and freedom, I stand before you today to declare it's not over until God says it's over. I don't care what the situation is. I don't care what you're confronted with today. I don't care what the doctor's report was. I don't care what the lawyer had to say. I don't care what the divorce issue was. I don't care what the past was. It's not over until God says it's over. The year was 1973. Some of you wasn't even born in 1973. The year was 1973 when a baseball legend by the name of Yogi Berra was given the credit for being the first one to ever utter the phrase, it ain't over till it's over. I got a kick out of Brother David after service this morning. He came up to me and he said, Pastor, I learned something today from your sermon. I said, David, what was that? He said, you know, I always thought Yogi Berra was that bear that said, hello, boo-boo-boo. Good to have a guy like David around, I'm telling you. Mr. Barra's team was playing for the National League pennant race. His team was a long ways behind whenever he made that statement. They asked him to give a response on being so far behind, and he looked at the reporter and he said, it's not over until it's over. And it wasn't long after that that the team that he was playing with at that time began to rally. Uh, They began to come back together. And ultimately, they rallied to win the division title. Now, Yogi Berra is this incredible baseball player who eventually became a coach. And and his statistics are are mind-boggling, even by today's standards. Some of the numbers that he put up as a player and even coaching as a a leader of a team are mind-boggling, even with the things that are happening in, in the baseball world today. Yogi Berra was an incredible coach and an incredible player. And with as much respect as I have for Mr. Berra, I I have to object to him being the one who receives the credit for saying uh, it's not over till it's over. Because here's the deal. He may have said that. He may have verbalized that. But he wasn't the one to come up with the idea. It was God's idea and it was God's plan a long time before it was even Mr. Berra's idea. From the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation. The Lord tells us, the Word teaches us, it's not over until God says it's over. Now now think with me. Let me give you just a few examples. Moses and the children of Israel. They came out of the captivity of Egypt only to run into a place where they had a sea on one side and Pharaoh's army was breathing down their neck on the other side. Now what happened? The situation looked hopeless. It looked like there was no way out. And the people began to cry. Were there not enough graves in Egypt that you brought us out here in the wilderness to die? And the Lord spoke to them and Moses stood up and the word of God says that the sea opened up before them and the Lord put an exclamation point on it and said, it ain't over until I say it's over. 
when that little shepherd boy stepped out to face that giant named Goliath, when those three Hebrew boys were thrown into that fire that had been heated up seven times hotter than it had ever been before, when Daniel was thrown into that den of lions, when a dead man named Lazarus was closed the door behind him in that tomb, when a man named Peter stepped out of the, the boat and started to walk on the water, but all of a sudden began to sink. When two old boys by the name of Paul and Silas had been beaten and thrown into the jail and at midnight they began to sing praise unto God. I believe all of these situations look like the ending point. All of these situations look like it was over. All of these situations looked hopeless. But the Lord rallied through every time and declared it's not over until I say it's over. That's the message this morning. That's the theme of the cross. That's the message of the empty tomb. That's the message of resurrection. That's the message of Easter, my friend. It's not over until God says it's over. After Jesus had endured the the beating that He had, after He had breathed His last and died, after they pierced His side, everyone on that day that was gathered to watch the, the crucifixion of my Savior, to everybody that was there on that day, from the disciples to the devil himself, don't you know they all thought, this is it. This is the end of the story. Brother Bobby, the devil, was jumping up and down rejoicing. He thought he had Jesus beaten. He thought he had had him crucified. He thought, well, he's dead. That must be the end of the story. The disciples themselves, they they saw him breathe his last. They saw him taken down and placed in that borrowed tomb. To them, the hope they had of their leader leading them into a place of, of being the Messiah, it's all over. He's dead. But when that stone was rolled away by the power of Almighty God, it revealed that it wasn't over because God hadn't said it was over. And I'll submit to you today as your pastor and your friend, friend, it still ain't over today. It's still going on. He's still alive. My God's not dead. He's still working. He's still moving. He's still saving. He's still healing. My God's still alive. He's not dead. And it ain't over till God says it's over. It's what I believe the Lord would have every set of ears and every heart to understand in this room today. We can reach those places in our lives where it looks absolutely hopeless. We can reach those places in our lives where we feel like we're at the end of our rope. And if something doesn't change, uh, it's just done. There's no way that this is ever going to get any better. I've heard the doctor's report. I heard what the lawyer had to say. I heard the boss down at the factory say there was going to be a layoff. Oh, I've heard them on the news talking about a recession. I've heard them talking about the economy. I've heard this and I've heard that. I've seen the price of the gasoline at the pump. Well, listen, my God is the ruler and the owner of everything under creation. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the gasoline in the pump. Uh, He owns the body that you're walking around in. He owns the the sun that rises and the moon that's above us. Listen, He owns every star in creation. And I submit to you, your situation is not over until God says it's over. Some things I want to share with you this morning about it not being over until God says it's over. And the first one is this. We better focus on a promise. Look with me at verse... Chapter 10 of Mark, verse 32 through 34. Verse 32 says, Now they were on the road going up to Jerusalem. Jesus was going before them. And they were amazed. Man, what's going on? And they followed. They were very afraid. He took the twelve aside and began to tell them of things that would happen to Him. Jesus said, Behold, we're going to go up to Jerusalem. 
And the Son of Man is going to be betrayed there to the chief priests and to the scribes. They'll condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles. They will mock him, they'll scourge him, they'll spit on him, and they'll kill him. But on the third day, he's going to get up again. How many understand today, my God, your God, our God is a promise maker and a promise keeper this morning. Here in the Word, we see Jesus speaking to His disciples, preparing them for an event that in in Mark chapter 8, Jesus said, must come to pass. Jesus said, this has to happen. I must go and suffer. I must go and be scourged. I must go and die. Jesus said, this is what's got to happen. But listen, that's not the end of the story. I'm not going to just die there, but three days later, I'm going to get up again. Now understand, this wasn't the first time that Jesus had told his disciples that this was going to happen in Mark 10, but it started in Mark chapter 8. Jesus said, this must come to pass. These things must happen. It went on in Mark chapter 9. He told them a second time, this is what's got to happen. I've got to go be scourged. I've got to die. I've got to be spit upon. These things must come to pass. I'm going to die, but three days later, I'm going to get up again. And finally, the third time, Jesus said, look, guys, hey, Bubba. You know, I think Jesus looked at them disciples sometimes and thought, you bunch of knuckleheads, would you listen to me? Hey, Bubba, this is what's got to happen. I'm going to go up to Jerusalem. They're going to beat me. They're going to spit on me. They're going to crucify me. I'm going to die, but in three days, I'm going to get up again. Don't you know this must have blown the minds of the disciples? Man, I don't want you to die, Jesus. I don't want you to leave us. We need you here. We're, we're expecting something different, some different outcome to happen. We're expecting a, a promise different than the one you're telling us about. They must have been so perplexed. They must have been so confused by the words coming out of Jesus' mouth. In fact, if you were to read in Mark chapter 8, verse 32, what you'll find is that as Jesus was speaking to his disciples about his death, old big mouth impetuous Peter says, Hey, Lord, that's not going to happen now. We just can't have none of that around here. Jesus had told him three times, look guys, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to go get beat on. I'm going to die on the cross. But in three days, I'm going to get up again. I'm going to go get beat on. I'm going to die. But in three days, I'm going to get up again. I'm going to go get beat on. I'm going to die. But in three days, I'm going to get up again. Three times he told him that. And Peter says, no, Lord, that can't happen. I love the part where it says Jesus looked at Peter and said, Get thee behind me, Satan. You know, there's moments when I won't tell my wife that. I'm just not quite as brave as Jesus was. (laughs) He rebuked Peter and said, listen, you've got to get your mind off the negative and get your mind on the positive. Jesus had told his disciples three times. That means Peter would have heard the same message three times. But yet he hadn't heard what Jesus said. Peter was focusing on the negative instead of on the positive of what Jesus had said. The only thing Peter heard was how bad it was going to be. He didn't hear the promise of the life that was yet to come. Come on, guys. Sometimes the only thing we hear is the bad report. 
Sometimes the only thing we hear is about how bad it is. Sometimes the only thing we hear is the, the negativity. Sometimes the only thing we're confronted with is the death. But Jesus said the death is not the end of the story, but the life is coming after the death. His promise was about life and living. Can I tell you the same promise that he made to them is still available to you and I today? He still makes the promise about life and living to you and I this morning. In the book of John chapter 14 verse 19, Jesus said a little while longer and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live, you can live also. Man, that I should have made everybody in this room shout and jump up and down. Because he lives, you can live also. Now, now listen, Jesus is not just talking about uh, living in an eternity in heaven with Him, but He's also talking about the right here and the right now. How many want to live right here and right now? I said a week ago and I'll say it today, I think we ought to live our best life right now. I don't want to wait to live my better life somewhere down the road. Well, when I retire, I'll have a better life someday. Listen, you ought to wake up every morning and say, Thank you, Lord. This is the day that you have made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, I thank you and I praise you that you, that you brought me through the night and you gave me another a do-over, another day in front of me, Lord. Because here's the promise Jesus made in John 10 and 10. He said, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He said, But I came that you may have life. Thank you all for preaching me out the back wall today. And life more abundantly. I can have an abundant life in the right here and the right now. Say what? I can have an abundant life even though I'm going through a heartache. I can have an abundant life even though I'm going through a hard time. I can have an abundant life even though the situation may be bleak and hopeless. I can have an abundant life in the right here and right now. Yeah, I can't. Because the promise of His Word is He causes all things to work for the good. Oh, the situation may be dark. I may be going through a hard time. But He can flip that baby around and turn it to the good. The devil might intend it to destroy me. The devil might want to use it to shut me down. But my God's going to cause it to work for the good of my life and for my home, for my family. He causes all things to work for the good. Thank God His promises about my life in the right here and in the right now. But thank God His promises also for the, the heaven that's before me. In John 11 and 25, Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, yet shall he live. Come on, what's that word say? It says that those who have gone on before us by way of the grave, if they believed in Jesus Christ, even though they may die, that's not the end of the story. The grave is not final. It's not over. Because He lives, they can live also. That though they may shall die, yet shall they live. Come on! Life. The promise is about life. We need to get our minds and our focus off the death and we need to hang to the promise of life. Listen, I live in the real world just like y'all do. I'm confronted by things that try to suck the life out of my sails every day. You watch the news, you read some of the junk that's on Facebook, uh, you hear some of the garbage that's being talked about and told in the world and if you listen to it long enough, you end up having an Eeyore attitude. How are you today? Well, I'm fine. (laughs) 
It's hard to be Eeyore and be a Christian at the same time. This pretty lady in the pink right here, she is the anti-Eeyore. Sister Faith, how you doing today? I'm blessed and highly favored, Pastor. Praise God. Don't you think that ought to be the confession of a child of God? I am too blessed to be depressed. I am too blessed to, to focus on the negative of the world. Jesus promised me life and life more abundantly. Jesus promised me life eternal. Listen, I've got something to be excited about today. Because He lives, I can live too. What do we need to know today about it ain't over until God says it's over? Well, we need to understand the... The promise. We also need to understand the power behind the promise. Look with me at the book of John chapter 10 verse 17 through 18. Jesus said, Therefore my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of myself and I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to take it up again. I, this command I receive from my Father... Bless the Lord. How many understand? He's not only a promise maker, but he's got the power behind him to be a promise keeper as well. Jesus tells his disciples, nobody's taking my life from him. A few years ago, I preached a, an Easter message to you about who killed Jesus. You know, the topic is, was it the Romans? I mean, they're the ones who crucified him. Was it the Jews? They're the ones that handed him over. They were the ones who cried out, crucify him. Was it Satan? Was Satan the one who, who killed Jesus ultimately? He wanted him out of the way. He wanted him gone. Was it you and I? What, did we have a part to play in killing Jesus? Was, was it our sins that killed him? Was it our uh, atonement that he was paying the price for? Listen, friend, all of those things can be said and all of those things can be preached. But here's the reality. Jesus said, nobody takes my life from me. The devil didn't kill him. The Romans didn't kill him. The Jews didn't kill him. You didn't kill him. The fact of the matter is, he was a willing participant in laying down his life all to please the power of the Father. He had the power to lay his life down and he had the power to take his life back up again. In other words, he was telling his disciples, listen guys, I've got the power. When he said he must suffer and die, listen, and be raised on the third day, what he was saying was, I've got the power to do everything I said I was going to do. Jesus was telling them, friend, I've got the power, and that means it ain't over until my Father says it's over. Hearing the word, we, we saw poor brother Peter. He still didn't get it. Poor, big mouth, impetuous Peter, uh, the, the one who rebuked Jesus, still is in a quandary about the power of Almighty God. The Bible says that when the soldiers came to arrest Jesus in the garden, that one of the disciples that John's gospel depicts as being brother Peter, Peter drew his sword and was taking things into his own power. I'll rescue you, Jesus. These Roman centurions may be coming to arrest you, but wacko! The Bible says he was defending the life of Jesus when he drew his sword and he struck the servant of the high priest and he cut off his ear. You know, a, a miracle that, that's many times overlooked in the Word of God was when Jesus picked up that servant's ear out of that dirt and he put it back on his head and he prayed and his ear was restored. 
Do you know that even those that would arrest him and beat him and crucify him, he still loved them enough to, to bring a miraculous healing into their body? Now how much more will he heal somebody who loves him and worships him and has committed their life to him? Peter drew his sword and he cut off the servant of the high priest's ear. And Jesus looked at him and said, uh, Peter, put away your sword. Put it back in its place. For all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you think that I can't pray now to my father and he'll provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? This thought I've shared with you before. Jesus said, I can call down 12 legions of angels and they'll come and defend me. I can call down 12 legions of angels and they'll come and rescue me. I can call on 12 legions of angels and they'll come and help me. I've shared with you, a legion of angels, a legion in that time of Roman soldiers was 6,000 men. 12 times 6, excuse me, 12 times 6,000 is 72,000 angels that Jesus could have called on to come to His defense. Jesus said, I can call on 72,000 angels and they got my back, Jack. 72. Y'all are making preaching harder than it needs to be right now. He was looking Peter in the eye and saying, Hey, Peter, quit trying to handle it in your own power. Quit trying to do things in your own abilities. Quit trying to do things by yourself. I have the power to call on all these angels to come to my defense. You think you've got power, but you ain't seen power yet. Now I know the, the idea of 72,000 angels can be overwhelming. And, and the power and the authority of 72,000 angels may be hard to comprehend. But when you think about the fact that Revelation chapter 20 verse 1 says that there was one angel that came down from heaven having one chain and he grabbed a hold of Satan and he bound him for a thousand years in a bottomless pit. If one angel bound Satan for a thousand years, then what can 72,000 angels do? Hmm. Jesus said, listen, I'm making you this promise. And I've got the power to back up the promise that I've made to you. I wonder, I just wonder, in the year 2022, with the ignorance that's going on in our world and our society today, I just wonder, Sister Faith, if God still has any power. In the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verse 18, Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority is all authority. All authority is all authority. Either he's a liar or the words he spoke were absolutely true. And I submit the words he spoke were absolutely true. So that means all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. Jesus has authority over COVID-19. Jesus has authority over diabetes. Jesus has authority over cancer. Jesus has authority over alcoholism. Jesus has authority over drug addiction. Jesus has authority over the doctor's report. Jesus has authority. Come on, fill in the blank for yourselves today. He made you a promise of life and He has the authority to back up and be the true life giver to you today. It ain't over till God says it's over. 
Because He's got the power to back up every promise that He's ever made. In fact, the the Word teaches us that we're supposed to hold fast to our confession of faith because He who promised is faithful. Amen? And not only is He faithful to His promise, but He's got the power to back up the promises that He has made. So what do we need to know this morning about it's not over until God says it's over? Well, we need to understand the promise and we need to understand the power. And I've been preaching hard to get to this one, so please turn your attention caps on right now. We need to focus on the proof as well. In the book of Luke chapter 24, if you still have your Bibles and you'd like to turn there, Luke chapter 24, verse 1, the Word of the Lord says this, Now on the first day of the week, early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb to bring spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this. Behold, two men standing by them with shining garments. And they were afraid. And they bowed their faces to the earth and they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Remember, He told you, it's not over until it's over. Remember how He spoke to you when He was still in Galilee saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful man, be crucified, and on the third day rise again? And they remembered His words. And they returned from the tomb and they told those sayings to to the eleven and all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed like idle tales to them, and they didn't believe them. But Peter, here comes Brother Peter one more time. Peter rose and ran to the tomb and stooped down. He saw linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed and marveled to himself at what had happened. What had happened? What's happened? Where'd he go? He was here, now He's gone. Jesus had made Him a promise. He said, listen, I've got to go away for a short time. There's there's some work I've got to do that I can't do right here. Do you know that, that the three days that He was in that grave, He wasn't just hanging out, guys. He brought victory over death, hell, and the grave. He took the keys of death, hell, and the grave and He stomped on the head of the serpent. He had victory over the devil. He said, I've got to go away, but I'm coming again. He said, listen, I've got the power to back up what I say I'm going to do. You know, I've seen a lot of bragging people in my life that told me they was going to do something. They didn't have the power nor the authority to stand up, much less hold up what they said they was going to do. Jesus said, I've got a promise for you and I've got the power to back up what I said I was going to do. And as those women approached that 
that empty tomb on that day and found the stone had already been rolled away. They looked inside and, and as they were gazing inside, the Bible says that, that two of heaven's messengers were already there waiting on them and looked at these ladies and said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He told you he's not going to be here. He told you that it ain't over till the Lord says it's over. And so they hurried back and they told all the eleven that were there. The apostles, the disciples, they ran back to tell them, Hey, guess what? Guess what? We went and He wasn't there. If I can jump, y'all can a little bit. He wasn't there. The Bible says that they looked at Him and went, Whatever. Mary. Oh, it's just a bunch of idle tales. You're, you're telling old wives' tales. You're telling stories. Just because you don't want him to be there doesn't mean he's really not there. And so what Peter do? Peter said, I'm going to find out for myself. I don't believe what you have to say, sister. So I'm going to get up and I'm going to hustle down there and I'm going to find out if it's really real or not. And so Peter hot foots it down to the tomb. The Bible says he stoops in, he looks in the door and he went, Shazam! Again, paraphrasing, oaky version. What meaneth this? Where'd he go? Where's he at? Peter stooped in the door and saw... The proof. Why were their hearts so questioning? Why were their hearts before, before they saw the proof so, so filled with doubt and confusion? It was simply because they had been there and saw what happened to the Savior. They saw Him beaten to the place that He was unrecognizable. They saw Him nailed to Calvary's cross. They saw the crown of thorns pressed upon His head. They saw His beard ripped from His face. They saw the punishment that He went through and how His side was pierced. And even when He breathed His last and said, Father, into Your hands I commend My spirit. They saw that come to pass. <laughs> now to really believe what they had to say? They had to have proof. You know, there's a lot of people who walk into the church, been walking into churches their entire life, looking for proof. One of the prayers that I pray over people on a regular basis is, Lord, make Yourself real to them. God, may they have a... I pray for our president, guys. I pray for our president on a daily basis. God, show up in his bedroom show up in his bedroom and reveal yourself to him that you're God and he's not. God, show up in the bedroom of the vice president. God, show up in the bedroom of the speaker of the house. God, show up in the, pres in the bedroom of every member of Congress in the house. God, show up in, in the bedroom of every member of the Senate. Lord, reveal yourself to them that they might have a revelation of who you are. Because they're still looking for proof. There's people who believe in the a guy by the name of Buddha, and they worship these big old fat-bellied idols. There's people that'll believe in a, a dead guy by the name of Muhammad. They worship Muhammad. They, they, they bend their knees and pray several times a day to Muhammad. 
They bow their knee and worship the world and the flesh. But they're still looking for a proof of a man who lived and died over 2,000 years ago. Well, prove it to me, preacher. Uh, Make it real to me. You said you went to an empty tomb. How do you know that that was really the real? The first time I went there in 2007 with a group from the church at Coweta, my pastor wanted me to go, so he made a way that I could go and, and be a part of that trip. I'll never forget, I, I told the, the congregation this early morning service, there's two actually separate locations where they say that, that the Lord was laid. After the time of the crucifixion, they say that, that He was either placed in this location or placed in this other location. One is, is just ordained, and I mean, it's fancy-dancy. And I walked in that place. That was the place they took us first. And I walked in that door, and I was there just about that long. And I turned around, and I walked right back out. And my pastor's wife came out, and she said, Are you okay? What's wrong? And I said, Sister Paula, I'm fine. I said, This just isn't it. I said, my spirit, man, told me that this, this just isn't where they laid my Savior. She said, okay, well, the rest of us will be out here in a little bit. And so they, they saw that site, saw that location, and immediately leaving there, they took us to the garden tomb. Some of you are shaking your heads at me because we've been to that garden tomb. And you walk in the garden tomb, and there's something that just resonates at least it did for me there's something that just resonated inside of me we did communion there in the garden it was one of the most precious times of communion that i've ever shared i knew immediately this is where they laid my lord this is where they laid my king and i had the opportunity to walk in there look in that door can actually walk inside that tomb. There ain't nothing there. My heart was about to jump out of my chest. My spirit man was punching me in the gut going, Gary, he was here, but he's not here anymore. Right. Pastor, that's a good story. Oh, I, I, that, that was really cool. You got to go to Israel. Oh, hoopy doo. I need more proof than that, Pastor. You're a good guy, and and I like the way you preach, but, but I need more proof than that. Friend, I want you to understand, His voice is as close as a whispered prayer. How do you know that, Pastor? Because I talk to Him every day of my life. I talk to Him constantly. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He never leaves me. He never forsakes me. I know he's real because I talk to him all the time. Oh, you're just talking to yourself? (laughs) This I'll promise you. This I will stand before the Lord and, and give answer for. This I'll promise you on the authority of the Word of God and on a personal experience that I've had in my own life. If you'll ask Him to make Himself real to you, friend, you will not be disappointed. 
If you'll ask Him to make Himself real to you, the proof will come alive inside of you and you'll know beyond a shadow of a doubt He is real, He is real, He is real. There is proof to back up that He's alive and He's not dead. The proof of the resurrection was world-changing for those early disciples. It changed them. It transformed them. It set them on a mission. It set their, their feet to work. It set them to change the world. Because of the resurrection, they had power and authority to go do things they'd never thought that they could do before. Resurrection, the proof of it, changed the world for the early disciples in church. It's still changing the world for His disciples of today. Because of the proof of the resurrection, I want you to understand, we can have victory over sin right here, right now, today. In the book of Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 8, the Lord says that if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you can be saved. Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and Him raised from the dead. It's all about the resurrection. That brings us victory over sin. Because of the proof of the resurrection today, we've got a helper, a comforter, a counselor. We've got the good gift of the Holy Spirit of Almighty God. In John chapter 16, verse 7, Jesus said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, if I go to the grave and am raised again, He's going to come to you. I don't know about you, but I need the helper every day of my life. I need the Holy Spirit to lead me, to guide me, to direct me. I need the resurrection power to forgive me of my sin. And I need the resurrection power uh, to, to help me to be led by the Holy Ghost every day. Doesn't end there though, does it? Because of the proof of the resurrection today, not only do we have victory over sin, not only do we have the good gift of the Holy Spirit, but we also have a hope and a future. 1 Thessalonians 4, 14 through 17 says that if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with Him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout. Why does that preacher get loud? Because the Lord's going to shout. I figure I can shout too. The voice of an archangel with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first and then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and we shall be with the Lord always. I've got resurrection power. It's working on the inside. And because of that resurrection power, gravity is going to let go. I've got so many people I love and care about who have gone on to heaven before us. I don't know. There's, there's a lot of people that ask me a lot of questions and I'm sure there's, there's theological answers and theological debates that we could have about exactly what it's going to look like and know. But you know what? Them theologians don't know no more than what you or I do. They may have degrees, but there's a box of rocks and I'm just, anyway. Look. Here's the thing. When that trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ are going to rise up, 
See, the Bible says that to be absent from our body right now is to be present with the Lord. And so what's it going to look like? A mid-air collision? I mean, is that, is that dead body and the, the spirit that's before the Lord, are they going to come back together again in, the, in midair? Are they going to go back? Who knows? The only thing I know is that the ones that have gone on before me are going to rise up out of that grave. Ain't no grave going to hold their body down. And then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them. If there was no resurrection, you'd have no hope of being raised. If there was no life after death for Jesus Christ, there'd be no life after death for you or I. Are you hearing me today? There was a promise that was made. There's power to back it up. And there's proof to officiate exactly what he said was going to happen that's happened. And friend, there's some results that are going to happen because of the proof that's before you today. It ain't over. Until God says it's over. And I submit to you this morning, it still ain't over yet. It still ain't over yet. Julie, bring your team. Come help your pastor, please. I want you to hear my heart today, please. Just stay with me just one more minute. Please understand that it doesn't matter what it is that you're being confronted with at this moment. It makes absolutely no difference what your situation or circumstances are. Please understand today, it doesn't matter how big or how bad or how hopeless your situation may be. Please, please hear in your heart today, it makes no difference what the doctor has said. It makes no difference what the lawyer has said. It makes no difference what the government has said. Please hear me plainly today. It makes no difference what it may look like. It makes no difference what it may sound like. It makes no difference what it may feel like. Because it's not over until God says it's over. He made us a promise. It's a promise of life. Life abundantly in the right here and the right now. And life eternal in the here and the there. He has the power to back up His promise of life. Pastor, I'm living a dead-end life right now. I have no hope. I see no future in front of me. There's no way that this thing's ever going to turn around. Friend, he's got the power to give you a do-over. He's got the power to give you a brand new lease on life. And the proof is the changed lives of the people that are around you this morning. Jesus said that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Your testimony, Christian, is what shines to be the proof in the friends and the family members, your loved ones that are sitting all around you today. Many people were invited here today by, by somebody who loves them and cares about them. Their life and their changed life is a proof of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Please understand, none of us have arrived. Please understand, there's none of us that are perfect. I said a few days ago to, to somebody, there's, there's folks that think they're perfect and the only thing they're doing is fooling themselves and hacking the rest of us off. Nobody's perfect. We're all a work in progress, guys. He's still working on me just like he's still working on you. I, I still do silly things. 
But here's the deal. I'm not who I used to be either. I'm changed. I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm born again. I've been made new. And it only was possible because God said, listen, Gary, it's not over for you. The devil thought he had me. The devil thought he could drag me to hell. But God said, it ain't over for him. I'm sending my son. He's going to die, and in three days he's going to get up again. And because he lives, you can live too. But you know what? That sacrifice wasn't made just for me. That sacrifice was made for everybody in this room today. That sacrifice was made for those that are at home watching on Facebook this morning. That sacrifice was made for the whomsoever, for the entire world. We go back to Romans chapter 9, verses 9 and 10, where the word of the Lord says, If you'll believe in your mouth, the Lord Jesus and Him raised from the dead, confess with your heart. That's salvation. That's how it begins. It doesn't say anything about walking an aisle or shaking hands with a preacher or joining a church. Well, I joined a church and I got saved. No, you didn't join a church and get saved believed in your heart and you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and Him raised from the dead that's what makes you say <laughs> for me it's all about souls the thing the Holy Spirit started me with for weeks now over this word is all about souls because we can get to that place where we feel like why am I even trying it's just pointless. It's just the end of the, the road. Turn out the lights. The party's over. We're done. And the Lord says, friend, it ain't over for you. Because my son is still working for you. You bow your heads with me. Precious Father, God, I love you today. God, I thank you for every every home, every family represented here this morning. I thank you for the words inspired by the Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you for helping me today. I certainly know that I'm not the most eloquent speaker that these people have ever heard. But Lord, I feel like I delivered exactly what you put in my heart. And so God, now may the Holy Spirit take the words that have been planted in and cause them to grow and mature and develop. Water them, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit. And draw people into a place of repentance today. Lord, I'm asking you for souls. If there be any lost among us, God, right now, speak to their hearts. God, have your way. Please be glorified. In Jesus' name. Amen. Please, with heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're here this morning, say, Brother Gary, I'm in a dead-end situation. I'm at the end of my rope. I don't know how it's ever going to turn around. But I do believe what you've said. I do believe Jesus can help me. And I do believe it's not over because God hadn't told me it's over. There's still hope. I need Jesus to become my Savior. Come on, if that's you, and you're in this room right now, I'm not going to ask you to lift your hand. I'm just going to ask you to raise your head and look at me. Just make eye contact with me today. If you're here, 
you say, Pastor, I need Jesus to save my soul, just make eye contact with me anywhere in this room. Amen. 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 I'm looking around. I've already had two that have, that have acknowledged they need Christ. Amen. Are there any others today? Come on, just, just look at me. Anywhere in this room. Pastor, that's me. Up and down every aisle. Holy Spirit in and out of every pew. Holy Spirit, be glorified. Congregation, would you stand with me today, please? Brother Gerald, I ask your sweet wife to put that scripture back up for me this morning. Would you do that for me right now? That scripture we said just a moment ago in the book of Romans, chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. The word says, if we'll confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised Him up from the dead, it says we can be saved. It says, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Notice in that scripture, it doesn't say that we have to, to walk an aisle. Notice in that scripture, it doesn't say that we have to join the church or shake hands with the pastor. Notice in that scripture, it doesn't say that we have all these religious hoops that we have to jump through in order to be saved. It says it's resurrection power. If we believe in our heart, confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and Him raised from the dead. The Bible says that's what makes you saved. I'm afraid Christianity is overcomplicated salvation. You can't make something that's free more difficult than it needs to be. You can't charge a price for something that's free. Jesus has already paid the price. So here's what I want to do. There's been at least two that, that looked me eyeball to eyeball and said, Pastor, I need Jesus to save my soul. And so here's what I, I feel the Holy Spirit's leading us to do. I did this this morning. I want to do it again right now together, collectively. I want us to pray that prayer. And whether or not you looked me in the eye to begin with or not, if you pray this prayer and you mean it from the depths of your heart, friend, you're just as saved as anybody in this room. So let's pray together. Pray with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank You for Your gift. I believe in Your Son, Jesus. I believe in His life and His death. And I believe He was raised again. And I thank You, Lord, that because of His resurrection, I am saved. I know that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And I know I can't save myself. But I know because of the resurrection that I am saved. And I'm never going back, Lord. I'm going to live for You every day of my life. Thank You, Lord, that I am saved. All the way saved. Really saved. In Jesus' name. Amen.
Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap today, please. Now here's what I want to do one more time. I want to tell you it ain't over until God says it's over. You may be here today and going through a very difficult time, a very difficult season, and you just say, Pastor, I just, I just need the assurance of God. I want to invite you all around this room today to spend some time in the altars in prayer, allowing the Lord to make Himself real to you, to bring proof before you that it ain't over till He says it's over. Would you take some time today before you leave and just spend it in prayer? God bless you as you seek the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus, it has washed me white. Thank you, Jesus, you have saved my life. You brought me out of darkness into glorious light. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus, it has washed me white. And thank you, Jesus, you have saved my life. You brought me into glorious life and there is nothing stronger than the wonder-working power of the blood the blood the calls of sons and daughters we are ransomed
Thank you for souls saved. Thank you for situations turning around. And Lord, thank you especially today that it ain't over because you haven't said it's over. Lord, I pray, go with these people this day. Bless them, use them, guard over them. But God, continually remind us that you're working, you're moving, you're stirring. And God, it's not over because you haven't said it's over. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We give you all the glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.